Welcome back to 5D Full Disclosure. This is Aurora and I have been wanting to do this longer update on the big shift of paradigms that we're having between now and the end of January 2024 when Pluto shifts out of Capricorn into Aquarius. And I've been like feeling into this and thinking about it for a while and it just like hasn't it just hasn't come out um but today I was like I need to talk about this like to get uh just what I'm feeling and sensing um coming and we are very much in the transition between paradigms so I'm going to talk about a few things. One is I'm going to talk about the evolution of the archetypes. And I briefly mentioned this um, this week, talking about the archetypes of the Zodiac, which I feel are undergoing the most transmutations right now. And that all of the archetypes, essentially, so all of the signs, all of the planetary archetypes are going through like a deep metamorphosis just as we humans are because remember how we interpret the planets and how we interpret the cosmos is a lot to do with consciousness right we can only interpret them through the current lens of consciousness that we have um so as we evolve in consciousness it's not so much that the planets or the archetypes meaning the signs themselves are going through uh, an evolutionary process, but the way we interpret them is going through an evolutionary process. So I guess in essence, we could say that all the archetypes of the cosmos are evolving as we as a humanity are evolving because we are the final planet to go through an ascension process and we are going through a physical ascension process. So as we are completing this process that we're in that mother earth is in essentially the the cosmos itself right is also going through this big uh transformation because we are finalizing the very very long journey of bringing darkness back to light so this is a huge metamorphosis not only on a micro level which is what we are experiencing but on the macro level so i want to talk a little bit about those archetypes um and then i want to talk about this transition that we're in and i'm calling it the eye of the needle and this is the paradigm transition between pluto and capricorn and pluto and aquarius why it's so important why we feel the way we do, and then just some of my insights as to what the new paradigm is going to entail, although it is completely unknown. So I don't think we'll fully know how to navigate until we're just like there and we're in it. But there's definitely some things that I think we can anticipate in terms of how the paradigm is going to shift. So the first thing is the evolution of the current archetypes. Now, I had mentioned a while ago that I felt that the first archetypes going through the most major transformations were going to be the two most ancient archetypes to us, meaning the archetypes and the planets that we have interacted with for the longest time, right? Because a lot of the planets that we have come to uh, work with in astrology, uh, planets that we consider part of our solar system, which means 
we we're now bringing in a new archetype into consciousness every time we discover a planet or an asteroid so a lot of those planets though we haven't really discovered uh for very long like some anywhere between a hundred to like 500 years which really isn't that long in the scheme of things when you think about how old humanity is and so we have to go back to the most ancient archetypes which is the sun and the moon which the sun rules leo and the moon rules cancer so those two archetypes naturally to me, were the ones that were going through the transformation most deeply because they're the most ingrained. Um, and that started back, I want to say I kind of felt that starting at the end of the summer and into September. And that was due to one, because we had this very extended stay of Venus in Leo, <laughs> um, and she went through her retrograde cycle in Leo. So there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of change within the Leo archetype through that. And Cancer, the Moon, is always going through changes. Um, and I talked about this in the podcast, uh, in the the archetypes podcast. So. Those two are going through it first, and they have been for, I want to say, probably about three months or so. And, you know, because Leo is moving away from being very much about ego and self and validation and, you know, getting attention, right? I talked about the celebrity archetype of Leo, and it's really moving into its proper archetype, which is to be a sun, to be a ray of light. And so Leo moves away from this kind of selfishness, this kind of self-absorption, and really instead moves into service, where being a light, right, being who you are, you know, utilizing your natural gifts and talents, your joy, your optimism, your natural charisma, and just uh, warmth that Leo exudes, it's now to assist others, right? It's shining the light out to assist others, just like the sun assists us, right? You know, to help um, wake people up, not in the sense of information, but lighting up their, their, their own natural joy and optimism, right? Inspiring other people to shine their own light and be their authentic self. So Leo's really moving into more of this service role, whereas before it was a lot more about getting the attention, getting the applause, getting the validation. So it became a lot about self, self-absorption. Now, Cancer is also going through this big metamorphosis because the moon has always been interconnected to the waters, right? And our bodies are at least 70% water. We're probably more than that now. And always has been tied to the moon cycles, the natural ebb and flow of nature, of life, teaching us how to ebb and flow with our emotions, how to emotionally process, right? How to be vulnerable, how to open up the heart center, and so cancer, because of its sensitivity and because of it can be a little volatile as well, right? Because there's so much change with the moon. Every two days, two and a half days, the moon changes signs. It's always in a different phase as well, right? It can be in a waning or a waxing or a new or a full moon. So it's, it's expressing itself differently every single day. And I think 
that that level of sensitivity and emotional feeling and connection has not been something that we have valued in this world. And so cancer and the moon in general has been very shut down, has become very suppressed. And that turned into a little bit of victim consciousness, right? When we're not able to process our emotions, when we're not able to be vulnerable and to open up the heart space, we end up closing closing up and closing off, right? We take things super personally. We blame other people. We project. We play the victim because we don't know how to deal with the depth of emotion that we're feeling and we don't know how to express it and how to also let it go and how to forgive, right? So cancer is really moving through that transformation now where it's exiting this kind of um, emotional volatility, emotional attachment, um, taking things personally, being kind of in victimhood. And it's really shifting into this strong heart-based leadership sign which it is it is destined to be it is a cardinal sign so those two are going through their transmutation now um when was it november 13th when we had the new moon in scorpio right and the new moon was conjunct mars and scorpio it was also conjunct Ceres, the great mother asteroid and it was opposing uranus and taurus i talked about this yesterday that to me meant that there was going to be a huge sudden change in the expression of Scorpio, which is really deep feeling. Scorpio feels things very deeply as well, similar to Cancer. But Scorpio is also really probing into the depth of things. It wants to get to the bottom of everything because it wants... Scorpio seeks this ultimate healing. And it's not just a surface level healing. It's it's a healing of the soul. It's a healing of the psyche. It's, it's an absolute kind of... Um, transformation that is very cellular in nature and that comes from Scorpio's co-rulership of Pluto and him being our most outer planet he works on a very cellular genetic DNA level every time Pluto shifts it is very much a shift in paradigms so because of that Scorpio is doing really it is the deepest level of transformation and so after that new moon, I started getting a lot of confirms and a lot of pings that the next two archetypes that were undergoing a very deep transmutation was going to be, we started first with the sun and the moon, which are the most ancient, right? They are the archetypes we have worked with the longest. So they are the most ingrained and they take the most time. Now, the next two archetypes are the hardest ones. And so again, we kind of are starting with the ones that are going to take the most time, the most energy to work with and process and adjust to its new expression. And that is going to be Saturn and Pluto. Saturn being the ruler of Capricorn and Pluto being the co-ruler of Scorpio. And these are the hardest two archetypes of the Zodiac. Um, because they are the, the malefics, which they 
in the old expression of these archetypes. And also just to note is that um, when we talk about the sun and the moon as being the most ancient archetypes, those are also the ones that the dark has manipulated the most, right? We know that they've manipulated or tried to manipulate the sun, right? And they've tried to keep us out of the sun. They try to tell us the sun is bad for us. All these things because they wanted to prevent the true nature of the sun from coming through. We know that they've manipulated the moon. They created a fake moon. I believe there's an organic moon that is coming into fruition. We're also seeing evidence of a second sun. That could be the organic sun. We don't know. But you can tell that those two archetypes were heavily manipulated. Saturn and Pluto are the next two archetypes that were the most manipulated. Okay. And that is because they both share in a theme about power. Saturn is about the power of being able to bring things into physical manifestation. And Pluto is about the power of magic, essentially, about being able to take an inner intention and to alchemize it um, out into some sort of manifestation. So it's a lot about alchemy and what we would say is magic, right? And so these two were the most heavily hijacked. So Saturn in his ancient rulership was known as the Lord of Time and the Lord of Karma. Now, the Lord of Time, meaning because Saturn's influence would basically, we would interpret it as anything that is a big vision, right? If And because Capricorn, it's, its ruling sign, deals with systems, okay? Capricorn deals with systems. You can think of them as like architects, okay? They are able to have they can design a blueprint for how something could come into manifestation and then they don't stop working until they bring that system into manifestation until those blueprints are actualized and so capricorn deals with systems saturn being the lord of time would tell us that in this 3d reality things take time right when we're in the linear time matrix, we had to understand the way that linear time worked, or at least the way we thought that it worked. And so the dark hijacked Saturn in order to keep the linear time matrix um, in place, in order to keep the linear system in place. Um, Saturn also was known as the, the Lord of Karma. So again, they also hijacked that energy to essentially have us be in this incarnation cycle where we never really lived long enough, probably back when we were a little bit more advanced before all the technology got taken away. But we don't live long enough to actually make a change, right? And sometimes we never see our blueprints into fruition. Um because we don't have enough linear quote-unquote time. And this would also elongate the period of linear time where we would essentially, because it's so dense in the linear time system, things take so long. 
So we would essentially not receive our karma in the amount of years that we're incarnated. So we weren't learning lessons that you would typically learn when you're operating in more of an instant manifestation system, right? If we all received the instant karma, which means correction. So when we take an action or we do something, or we are embodying a certain frequency, and then we get to see the mirror of that from the outside, right? Or we have some sort of consequence to the action, or maybe we have a blessing, right? And we have a, a confirm that says, oh, you're actually in the right direction, right? Karma can work both ways. It's either a correction or a confirm, hey, you're going in the right direction. Hey, you're not going in the right direction. So because karma would take so long, there was no learning of lessons. And again, of course, what did the dark want to do? They want to live forever, right? They're obsessed with living infinitely and to also evade karma. So there's been recent reports of Saturn's, you know, they're saying Saturn's rings are dissolving. I thought that was super interesting because it's a big confirm that Saturn um, is going undergoing a transmutation. So Saturn is no longer going to rule karma. It's no longer going to rule um, linear time. It's going to completely change. We all Saturn was also one of those planets that really the only way to quote unquote get what you want to bring into manifestation what it is you want to achieve the the notion was you have to work hard harder you have to struggle you have to sacrifice right those are all the shadows of saturn and the shadows of capricorn and because Capricorn also had an association with the archetypal father, that energy was used to build the patriarchal system. So all of that ties in together. Now, Pluto's also undergoing a deep transmutation um, because I talked about this a while ago. I think it was in the, the archetype podcast on Pluto. And I said that, you know, when a, a planet gets demoted, that is a sign that that archetype is no longer necessary in the same way that it was before, right? It's a reflection of the consciousness. So Pluto was demoted in 2006. And there's this wonderful astrologer out there, and I cannot remember his name off the top of my head, but he wrote a really great book about Pluto. And he had said that, you know, it takes about 30 years for a planet, once it's been demoted and removed from the, the main roster, if you will, it takes about 30 years for its influence to wane. And that makes sense, although we're now accelerating that, right? I, I think time is just speeding up in general. And so a similar thing happened with the asteroid Ceres, the great mother asteroid. When she was discovered, and I want to say it was back in the 1500s, could be off about that, but I think so. She was considered a planet, the great mother. 
And it created this huge boom in what they called the era of romanticism. And it was all about romance and romance novels and literature and poetry and art and just this beautiful boom in beauty in the world. And then she was demoted. I think it was after like 50 years. And so that archetype got removed from the consciousness. So Pluto's influence is waning. And that's why this particular shift between Pluto and Capricorn and Pluto in Aquarius is also so significant because Pluto, when it came into our consciousness in the year uh, 1930, it was going to be a short-term mission, right? I think Pluto was quite literally brought in for a mission. And the mission was to destroy, because he is the, the wrath of mercy, he destroys anything that is against God, love, nature, basically anything that is of the dark. He wants to destroy that. And so in the process, he can cause destruction, but he's also causing massive death and rebirth. He's quite literally transmuting us on a cellular level. So I feel that a lot of the new generations that are going to be incoming into incarnation probably within the next five to six years, we're probably not even going to consider that generation's Pluto placement because the generations that are coming in now are so filled with light. Um, they're coming in as very pure souls to help raise the vibration and to help stabilize the consciousness. You know, I think they would be the rainbow children. Um, and so they, they are not going to go through the death and rebirth process in the way that we have, right? They're coming in in order to be the next waves of the, the new paradigm once we can get that set up. So it's really the main generations that I think are taking this on is, of course, the boomers and anyone older than them, Gen X, millennials, Gen Z, and Gen Alpha. Um and so that's another reason why this transition is, is super huge. So Capricorn and Saturn, we are releasing a lot of pain and suffering. Pain and suffering is deeply embedded into the shadow of those two because it's this belief system that without pain and suffering and struggle and enslavement, that we will never be successful, that we will never have any power or influence, right? The shadow of Scorpio and Pluto is we are detoxing fears from our system, right? And also purging some, some very deep desires that might not be uh, for the highest, right? I think there's a lot of desire on this planet um, and a lot of those desires are lower. They're very low vibrational desires and those desires can drive us unconsciously. So those two are now releasing a big thing. I don't know what the next two signs will be. I've kind of gotten a few pings. Um, Gemini specifically keeps coming up, but um, I'm going to hold off on talking about uh, maybe what archetypes are coming next. But what I did get through very clearly was that before Pluto transitions into Aquarius, which will be on January 20th of 2024, all planetary and astrological archetypes will have undergone their transmutation. So 
the next wave of them, who knows what they'll be. Um, but that's what I feel is currently happening. So if you have Leo, Cancer, um, Capricorn, or Scorpio in your big five, especially that also let's include the Ascendant because that will that will come into play. You really need to look at those planets and, and not so much that there's anything you have to do. It's almost more of an allowing. Allow these expressions to change and to shift. Um, if you do have them in the outer planets, I would say that they're probably not going to be as affected, but they still will be. Um, Jupiter and Saturn, obviously, you can kind of see where the experiences right either with Jupiter or with Saturn is going to change with that sign if it's in Uranus Neptune or Pluto the generational signs um, I think that transmutation will be happening more on a generational level and it won't feel so personal um, North Node or Chiron I would also look at though so that's going to shift the relationship that you might have with your North Node um, or your Chiron, right, which is, is really the deep releasing of old wounds. Now, I want to talk about the eye of the needle, okay? So I believe that basically once we entered November, and it was leading up to the 11-11 timeline crystalline activation, we pretty much entered the eye of the needle uh, transitional phase, right? I think it kind of started back on the 1010 portal, which was when Pluto finally went direct in Capricorn. So that was like, okay, he's wrapping up the retrograde, he's moving forward, and he is now trekking through the critical degrees of Capricorn as he makes his way to his official transition into Aquarius. So for me around the 1010, that I think really started this eye of the needle feeling where we're in this super uncomfortable space where one paradigm is dying and literally being squeezed out and a new paradigm is coming in. And so we're in this void space where we we can feel, and I don't know if you guys feel this as well, but it's like we can feel that something has changed. Like we aren't, we are no longer living in the same world, right? It feels very different and very strange. We don't really know how to navigate right now because we can feel that we're in a new timeline. We can feel that we're in that transition, but it hasn't really fully anchored and the old hasn't fully died. And so we know that we can't operate in the old anymore, but we also really don't even know how to move forward with the new because it's a, it's a whole new operating system. And we're like, you know, it's like getting a brand new computer, like switching from iPhone to uh, a Samsung, right? Like it's a silly example, but it, those are two completely different operating systems. And if you've never used one or the other, you're going to be confused for a while and you're kind of be like, oh, I, I just want to go back to what I know, right? I'd, I'd rather just get have my old phone because at least I knew how to use it. And so that's kind of the feeling right now. Um, that's how I have felt a lot. So in this eye of the needle, it is super uncomfortable, right? 
Now, what I wanted to do was talk about where currently all of the outer planets are residing, which all of the outer planets are contributing to this transitional, very eye of the needle feeling. So the outer planets, right? Jupiter and Saturn. Jupiter is in Taurus, a fixed sign. Saturn is in Pisces, right? Now, when we look at Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, our big outer planets, okay? So Uranus is also in Taurus along with Jupiter, okay? Neptune is also in Pisces along with Saturn. And then we have Pluto hanging out at the critical 28th degree of Capricorn. So what's interesting to me about these outer planets is that they are covering all the modalities right now, meaning we've got Jupiter and Uranus in Taurus, which is a fixed sign. So we have a lot of expansion in this area of Taurus. We also have Uranus, which is sudden shock and sudden change, also in Taurus. So all of the... Um, fixed signs are receiving some type of aspect from Jupiter and Uranus. Now we also have Saturn and Neptune in Pisces, which is a mutable sign. So all of the mutable signs in one way or another are also experiencing aspects um, from Saturn or Neptune. And then finally, we have Pluto in Capricorn, right? We also have the North Node in Aries and the South Node in Libra. We also have Chiron in Aries. Those are all cardinal signs. So it's like everyone is getting hit at once. You know, it's like hitting, hitting all the birds with one stone. That's pretty much what's going on here. <laughs> um, now, what else is interesting to me is that when we hit the month of December, okay, we are not only going to be, of course, entering the even more critical degree of Capricorn. We will be hitting the 29th degree um, in December. So that's going to up the ante on this. But we also have a ton of the outer planets and asteroids moving direct. Okay, all of the outer planets were in retrograde for like the last half of the year. And so it's been a lot. So now all of them are shifting forward, which is telling us, okay, a lot of the inner change and inner work and inner catalysts and inner deaths and all these things are now going to start moving externally. Now the changes are going to start manifesting externally, right? So in December, we're going to first have Neptune going direct in Pisces. That's a big shift. Okay, we're then going to have Chiron moving direct in Aries at the end of December. And just a few days later, right before New Year's Eve, we're going to have Jupiter moving direct in Taurus. So at that point, we will have Pluto direct, we will have Neptune direct, we will have Jupiter direct, and we will have Saturn direct. Uranus will finally move direct about a week after Pluto enters Aquarius. So Pluto will enter Aquarius on January 20th. A week later, Uranus will move forward, and then we will have all of the outer planets in forward motion, including Chiron. So that, to me, is showing a lot, right? 
there's going to be a big push into this new operating system. So now I want to talk about this shift from Pluto and Capricorn to Aquarius and what what does that mean for us? What does it look like? Um, we've had Pluto here since 2008. And again, this is deep, deep uh, change on a cellular level. And because Capricorn and Pluto are both very intense um, with deep shadows types of archetypes. This is especially potent, again, because I mentioned that <clears throat> uh, both Saturn and the Capricorn energies were hijacked by the dark to create A, the linear time system, B, the cycle of reincarnation karma, C, the patriarchal system, and I would say D, the enslavement system, because the shadow of Capricorn is like enslavement, like having a slave master type of dynamic, which Pluto can also play into sometimes. So that's what's been going on. We've been having not only external collapses of the old system, but a deep internal restructuring of our DNA to essentially remove these enslavement codes that have been programmed into the ego and thus programmed into like the, the DNA, right? And so cardinal signs have been really going through it for the last 15 years. If you have major Capricorn placements, and I would say again, let's focus on big five and ascendant or, or a north node, I think, you know, those, those real major core things if you have any of those in Capricorn, it's been a deep process for the last 15 years. There was like no stone left unturned here. So those of you who have major cat placements, you're going to finally feel fucking relieved. Okay. Um, now people with cancer placements, again, cancer placements have been also really going through it since 2008 because Pluto has been in opposition to cancer. So it has been very hard to find any sense of emotional fulfillment. It's been very challenging to keep our hearts open, to have compassion and love and empathy. It's also been very challenging to find any sort of emotional stability, right? And to find a sense of emotional fulfillment and emotional regulation because Pluto and Capricorn has been all you know of course the elites they understand astrology so they they will try to hijack every transit and i think with pluto and capricorn it was trying to convince everyone to keep working harder you know even though the recession happened just as pluto entered capricorn it was like okay now you've got to struggle more now you've got to work harder you know and and they had everyone kind of gaslit that 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 was the answer just work more just work harder, just make more sacrifices, um, just follow the rules, just follow the system, right? That's what we've been battling for the past 15 years. And, um, and, and the control and the authoritarianism has only gotten worse. And again, because they are trying to utilize that transit for themselves, which, which will never work, because I always talk about Pluto being a double agent. So any 
sense of harnessing the power of his transits that the dark does he's always a double agent and so he's always working for the light <laughs> so even if it seems like in the past 15 years more power has been given to the system the control the elites the people in quote-unquote power right corporations um, conglomerates government right it has appeared that they have gotten more power. Um, but again, Pluto is always a double agent. So he's always working from the inside out. So on the outside, it may appear that way. But on the inside, we can be certain that a lot is going on inside of these cabal systems that we haven't seen yet, but we will, right? So that's really one of the core shifts is that Capricorn as a sign um, it's the opposite of cancer, right? So cancer has been struggling because cancer is where we find a sense of home and family and belonging. And it's all about emotional fulfillment. It's all about love and compassion and just having a close emotional bond with people around us that we love, right? Having a, a sense of home. And we have not had that. So many people have been displaced or homeless, um, et cetera, over the past 15 years. It's And nobody feels a sense of family. A lot of people have been separated from their families, either due to uh, jobs, due to finances, due to political arguments, due to arguments about things like the vaccine or whatever. There's been a total ripping apart of the sense of family. And that's that Pluto opposition to cancer. And Pluto's also been squaring both Aries and Libra, which puts a huge strain on the dynamic between how do I fulfill my dreams and ambitions and goals and really have a sense of self and really be focusing on my own self-development and my own sense of confidence, which is Aries. That's been taking a square from Pluto and Capricorn, right? So many people have put their dreams on hold, have put what they actually want to do on hold and their own sense of confidence and sovereignty because Pluto and Capricorn is saying, you just got to do what you got to do. You got to pay the bills. You got to work harder. You got to work up the ladder. You got you to gotta, uh, appear a certain way, right? You got to play the game. It's also been making a square to Libra, who just wants to enjoy beauty in life. Like Libra's values are having good relationships, things being fair and equal and just and harmonious and having peace and having a sense of love and more of a romantic love in our life. That's also been taking a square from Pluto and Capricorn for the past 15 years. So it has put an incredible strain on people's abilities to form healthy, and fulfilling relationships, on finding harmony and beauty in life, it has been a very bleak 15 years. And so this paradigm shift is that old shadow side of Capricorn is dissolving, right? The old patriarchal system that the shadow of Capricorn, it only values status, success, achievements, right? We're talking about 10th house themes. 
And so when we talk about the 10th house in astrology, we've been playing out 10th house themes through this entire transit of, of Pluto and Capricorn. And so when we hit the 10th house, right, what's the first thing we hit is the midheaven. The midheaven is where you are seen. It's where you are acknowledged. And it doesn't necessarily mean fame, although it very much can indicate fame or notoriety, but it doesn't always mean that. But it always means that you are seen for something in particular, right? Everyone, the public in general, other people associate and see you and recognize you and appreciate you for something in particular. So in a way, it's like this is where everybody shines. This is where everybody reach their, reaches their highest state of human potential. And everyone uniquely is seen and recognized and appreciated for their specific gifts and talents, for their uh, services, for their uh, essences, right? You're, you are seen for something. And so the 10th house is where we seek to be seen, and we seek to feel recognized and accomplished and reaching our potential. And it's usually, again, it's, it's almost like we are, we are wanting to bring a big dream or a big goal into fruition. It feels like our life's work to do this particular thing. And so when you look at your 10th house, you know, you can see which signs are on that house. And that, that usually indicates, gives you an idea as well as, as planetary placements there. So... The shadow of that, right, the shadow of the 10th house and Capricorn and Saturn is I want to be at the top and I'll do anything to get there. I don't care how I get to the top. I don't care who I have to step on. I don't care what I have to do. I don't care what I have to sacrifice. I, I want to get to that top spot. So it becomes about greed and power and status. And it also very much becomes more about the public image than who you really are inside, which is cancer, right? Who you really are and what your actual values are, what you love and care about. And it, instead, it becomes all about the way you are perceived, so that's why everything has also gotten very fake. <laughs> like everybody who watches this fucking shit show is like, all of this is fake. You know, these people, these elites, they will literally convince the masses that they are the, like take Oprah, for instance. She's a great 10th house example. She reached the state of a lot of success, being very, very seen for something in particular, right? For her talk show. Um... And later, you know, m many other businesses and things. And she was always perceived as this wonderful spokesperson and this very caring philanthropist. And it was all bullshit. Like, nobody knew who she really was. It was all a show. And that has what has been thriving with this Pluto Capricorn transit. But again, Pluto's been working from the inside out. So as this transition continues over the next, uh, I guess, two months, that's all we've got, two months, um, we will start to see the collapse of those old structures. And we will start to really embody the new archetype of Capricorn, 
which is about being an architect. It's about being, t- being able to see a big picture and see how you fit into the big picture and having patience and dedication and vision to really work towards and to build your dream into reality, but doing so with the utmost integrity and also knowing that we are inherently valuable and we don't have to prove this outer worth and that there's no accolades or status or profit to seek. We are only purely seeking our own fulfillment of our own life's work. Now, the shift into Aquarius, right, is is also, okay, how do, how do we navigate this? Because Aquarius is a totally different sign, um, a totally different sign than Capricorn. Now, in ancient rulership, Saturn used to be the ruler of both Capricorn and Aquarius, which is super interesting, right? So Aquarius does have a little bit of a Saturnian vibe. But in 1781, when they discovered Uranus, Uranus was made the ruler of Aquarius. And so fundamentally, Aquarius's archetype began to change in 1781. Now, what else was happening around 1781, right? That's why I always say everything is consciousness. So coincidentally or not, Uranus was discovered in 1781. What else was happening in 1781? Well, just before that, there was the American Revolution. Then there was the French Revolution. Then there was, I believe, the Haitian Revolution. There was a ton of rebellions and revolutions going on during those years that Uranus was discovered. And because during that time, (laughs) coincidentally, right again, so many coincidences, when we finally discovered Pluto in 1930, right, once we discover a planet and we know the orbit and its movements, we can look back. We can look back in hindsight to see where those planets were back in history when we didn't know yet that they existed. So Uranus, as discovered in 1781, becomes the ruler of Aquarius during a time of massive rebellions and revolutions. At that same time period, Pluto is also in Aquarius. I believe Pluto moved into Aquarius between 1775 and 1776. So what a coincidence, right? Um, So that tells you a lot about this paradigm that we're moving into. And again, even if we think back to all those massive, massive changes that were going on during that time, right? The United States of America supposedly, air quotes, declares its freedom, right? Independence Day. Constitution is enacted, we quote unquote free ourselves from Britain, which we really didn't, but you know, um, the French Revolution, they removed the monarchy. There was a lot of other uh, revolutions going on in other various parts of the world. And at that time, Pluto was not even in the consciousness yet. So just take that in heart, that that was a fucking crazy time, Right. And Pluto wasn't even in the consciousness. It was an Aquarius. Like we can look back and we can 
calculate that it was there, but it wasn't present in our archetypal system. Now that it is present in our archetypal system, can you imagine how much greater the impact is going to be? And again, when Uranus was named the ruler of Aquarius, that changed the Aquarian archetype fundamentally during that moment, okay? So previously, it was ruled by Saturn, right? And Saturn, again, is about, it's about structure. It's, it's an architectural, it's an architecture sign, right? Just like there are structures and patterns to the universe, there are structures and patterns in the systems that we use down here because there has to be some sort of order. There has to be some sort of structure, a container, if you will. There has to be some sort of, and not hierarchy in the same sense that we're thinking of it, but Richard Rudd uses a great word where he calls it heterarchy, meaning instead of a, a top to bottom system, it is a lateral system. So everyone is equal in their power, right? Nobody is above others. But he talks about the natural organic hierarchy of that is that some souls will have roles that naturally contain a little bit more power and influence or some souls have roles that require more responsibility. And thus they have a little bit more uh, power influence, but it's never used to power over others. It is, again, he always equates it with the more power that you are given, just depending on your soul contract, the more responsibility you have. So those who are going to take leadership positions in the new paradigm will have more responsibility. And that's a big shift out of the Pluto and Capricorn, because that whole time was about having more power and less responsibility. <laughs> um, and so with Uranus being the ruler of Aquarius, when it was previously ruled by Saturn, you can almost think of that as that's the sign of humanity. It's the sign of collective consciousness. Okay, now we're into 11th house themes. So when Saturn was ruling both of those, how does that translate? Because in Capricorn, we see very clearly how Saturn translates, right? It's a lot about perseverance. It's a lot about structure, discipline, consistency, integrity. But when you transfer that to Aquarius, it doesn't quite make sense, right? Aquarius is also an air sign. So um, I think it represented restriction, limitation upon humanity. Um, Aquarius rules themes like technology, data, patterns, right? It's information because all air signs value information. But Aquarius is looking at big patterns, overarching patterns and fractals. It's not focusing on small information. It's focusing on big information. We're talking about networks, right? Things like the internet is a representation of collective consciousness in, inside of a technology. It's about communities. It's about collaboration and co-creation. And because of that <laughs> new rulership of Uranus, it also became the archetype of the rebel, of the black sheep, okay? So 
Here's my downloads. Again, I don't think we're really going to know how this new operating system works. But what we do know is this is going to be a lot about returning the power to humanity and away from the Capricorn systems and hierarchies. And instead, we will be forming new networks, new if, if Capricorn rules systems, Aquarius rules paradigms. So it's a new paradigm. And within that, there will be new systems. But we're looking for a more overarching new system that will benefit the entire planet and not just working on these kind of micro levels. Um, and now the other thing that keeps coming through to me is truth is stranger than fiction. And we're moving out of this phase in Capricorn where it was, again, it was all about the way it looked, right? It was all about the face you put onto the outside world, but behind closed doors, there was a lot of other shit going on. So it was all about being seen in a certain way, looking successful, looking like you are a good person, right? Looking like you are accomplished. Not necessarily actually being those things, but looking like it, being perceived that way. Now it's going to be all about authenticity, which is another key element of Aquarius. So we've got authenticity. We've got the power returning to humanity. And... We have truth is stranger than fiction. Aquarius is where things get real weird, right? And Capricorn, it's all about following the rules, coloring in between the lines, right? Making something look good, making something appear a certain way. And so it was all about, it was all about following the rules, doing what you have to do, playing the game, right? coloring in between the lines. And with Aquarius, it's everything that is opposite of that. Color outside the lines. Everyone's going to have to be authentic. They're going to have to care about humanity. They're going to have to start coming to terms with the fact that we are a galactic society, right? Aquarius rules technology. So we are going to see a huge shift in technology. Uh, the truth, Aquarius, is the water bearer. It's representation of truth being revealed. Truth is stranger than fiction. It's about to get real fucking weird when Pluto goes into Aquarius because the truth is fucking stranger than fiction. And it's going to be this whole new paradigm and we're learning how we're going to navigate this. We don't know how we're going to navigate it. But I do feel that within the next six weeks until the end of the year, we're going to start getting those kind of little signs and synchronicities to kind of point us in the right direction, <laughs> right? And, um, and we're going to start maybe seeing some effects globally as well, or just in the external world of the fact that we are in a new paradigm and what used to work before no longer works. And so we're kind of trial and erroring this, finding out what does work, what doesn't work. And the new operating system is still 
uploading in our DNA. So be patient with yourselves. It's been a rough fucking couple of weeks, man. Um, <laughs> really, really, uh, looking forward to the Sag season next week. So I love you guys. Um, and I will definitely do more updates before the end of the year of just how the energies are moving and transitioning and, and hopefully some more downloads on this new operating system, this new paradigm and how we can participate in it, you know, to, to the best of our ability, to our highest potential. Um, so I love you all and have a great Sunday and I will be back soon.